Hello, folks. It's Andy again, the analytical preacher. In the last podcast, I talked about Jesus really stressed to us while he was on earth that we need to seek out what's actually in God's word, that we need to follow the best we can what's written in the Bible. Remember, the Bible says of itself that the Holy Spirit inspired men to write it. And so when we read scripture, we are literally reading the words of God himself. And Jesus knew down through time, there was just going to be this pressure to say, we live in a different age. We live in a different culture. We face different pressures. And so there was going to be a temptation to sort of adjust the word, adjust God's commands to sort of fit our current situation. Jesus knew that temptation was there. We read in one place, for example, in Mark chapter 7, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. So when we look at different topics related to our faith, one of the things that we want to always do is go back to the scriptures, look at the scriptures, look at the words that were used, and make sure that we build a firm understanding as opposed to just saying, well, this is the way my grandma's church did it, or this is the way I understood it was always done. We don't want to get our minds clouded with human tradition. If there's a topic where this is probably most relevant, it might be the topic of baptism, because baptism has taken on very different forms and structures and meanings over time. The scripture has some pretty simple things to say about baptism. As I said in the last podcast, what I'd really like folks to do is leave all of the baggage of your history and your tradition and your denomination and your current church, leave all that behind and let's just read the scriptures together. Let's look at what the words mean in those scriptures and see if we can get some real guidance from the Bible. See if we can really try to figure out what did the Holy Spirit intend us to take from these words that he had written down and saved for 2,000 years and translated into our language. As many of you probably know, the New Testament books were originally written in Greek. So it's important when we look at words in the New Testament to go back sometimes to the original Greek. What did that word mean? What did that word mean? What are synonyms for that word in Greek? Were they used? How were they used? Etc. So that's what I want to do. If you go to the common places that you would look for the word baptism. So what John the Baptist was doing, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Mark 16, Acts 2, 38, the first Christian sermon preached by Peter, etc. You get this word, this Greek word, baptizdo. Baptizdo, which gets transliterated to baptism in English. Baptizdo means to immerse or submerge in a fluid, to completely immerse or submerge in a fluid. Really, that word should have been translated into English if they had used proper technique. It should have been translated. So Jesus would have said, for example, submerging them, immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It gets translated baptizing. There's a, there's an implication with the word in Greek that it's not just something is immersed or completely submerged in whatever liquid is in question, but that some change results in it. So there's some change from something being completely immersed. That's baptizdo. There's other Greek uses of this word in time periods similar to the New Testament. We see 
few hundred years before, a few hundred years after, folks using this same style of Greek. And we get things like the word baptizo used for immersing cloth into a dye. And so the instructions say that you baptizo the cloth, you completely immerse and submerge the cloth in a dye, and the dye then, of course, changes the color of the cloth, which is then brought back out. There's a recipe in Greek about that talks about baptizoing cucumbers, completely submerging them in vinegar so that over time they get changed into what we today would call pickles. So that's how the word is used in sort of the original Greek. Something is taken and it is completely submerged or emerged in a fluid. Could be water, could be dye, could be vinegar. And somehow that produces a change in the item that was submerged. And so that Greek word is the word that is used. So Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go and baptizo. Go and completely immerse them, submerge them in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Mark 16, 16, Whoever believes and is baptized, whoever believes and is immersed will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Again, that first Christian sermon after Jesus had been resurrected and then had ascended back to heaven. On the Sunday morning of Pentecost, we read in Acts chapter 2, that sermon ends when the people have come to realize that Christ was their Messiah and they want to know how they can call on the name of the Lord. Acts 2.38 says this, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you, repent first and then be submerged. Repent first and then be immersed completely in water. It's also important to understand there are other words. There's a word that has the same root word as baptizo, and it's used in a few places, and I'll just I'll give you some references. Luke chapter 16, John chapter 13, Revelation chapter 19. And that word in the Greek means dipping. So you're dipping something in a fluid, but you may not completely submerge it. For example, one of the biblical references is to bread that is dipped in olive oil. And so it's not completely submerged because the portion that your fingers are holding is still above the fluid, is still above the olive oil. That's a different word than baptizo, which means to completely submerse or uh, submerge or immerse. This, uh, there's also in Revelation 19, it speaks about the rider coming on the horse and his robes are dipped in blood. Same word there, kind of the same root word as baptism, but it's different. It doesn't mean that the entire robe had necessarily been submerged and dipped in, immersed in blood, but that it had just been uh, dunked in partially in blood. But I think much more importantly for today's conversation, there is a separate word used in the Bible, Greek word used in the New Testament for sprinkling. And the Greek word here is rontizdo, and rontizdo means to sprinkle something with a fluid in a religious context. So in the New Testament, it basically means 
to cleanse or purify something through sprinkling. We see that just for example, one quick way that you, one quick place you can find this word is in Hebrews chapter 9. So if you go read through Hebrews chapter 9, you'll see, I think it's about four times, that this word sprinkling is used. And it's talking about some Old Testament stuff that Moses used to do that we don't have to do anymore because of Christ. And it's literally saying Moses sprinkled this stuff with blood to purify it. But it's interesting to note, it's critically important to note, in the Bible, the word for dipping is never used for the act of what Christ commands us to do, repent and be baptized. The word for sprinkling is never used of the act. It's always the word for complete submersion, for complete immersion into the fluid itself. I happen to be of the opinion because the word choice in the New Testament is so specific that if a partial dip, if a sprinkle was what was meant, or even if it was one of the approved options, then that word would have been given to us. That option, I believe, would have been given explicitly to us. We're always told to baptize by completely immersing the person in water. When you come to understand these terms in this way, I become very concerned that today's tradition of sprinkling individuals for baptism does not have a biblical foundation. If you asked me, it would appear that sprinkling someone for baptism is really a tradition of man. And I think Christ would challenge us and say, why do you replace an explicit word to do something this way? Why do you replace it with a tradition of doing something this way? It's also important to note that in every case but one in the New Testament, the verb baptize is in the passive voice in the Greek. So you can have something that's in a passive voice, in a neutral voice, or in an active voice. If it's in a passive voice, it means that baptism is something that's being done to you. If it's neutral, it sort of means it's neutral. And if it's an active voice, it means it's something that you're doing. You're the agent causing it you're the agent doing it even if you're the agent even if you're the person to whom it's being done so the bible is very careful to say be baptized jesus said go into all the world once you've preached repentance and they've accepted it then make disciples out of them by baptizing them and jesus is saying by allowing them to submit to Christian baptism. It's nothing they do. So some folks, I think, become concerned. If we say we need to be baptized, isn't that a work? And doesn't the Bible tell us we're saved by faith through grace, not by works? It is not a work because it is not in the active voice. And so that's a legitimate concern I think that some folks have. We can completely erase that concern off the board. Baptism is not a work. Baptism is not designed to be a work. Baptism is in the passive voice in every case but one in which it's in the neutral voice. It's never in an active voice in the New Testament. It is something that you're being obedient to God and you're allowing to happen to you. It's not a work that you do to please God, earn salvation, etc. I also should mention really quickly that nowhere in the Bible does it say that baptism replaces circumcision. So I think, again, another tradition of man has said the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews, they had circumcision. We must need a replacement for that, right? But the Bible doesn't say that we need a replacement for that. 
The Bible does say, for example, we'll go back to the book of Hebrews, that the one sacrifice that Christ made replaces, does away with all of the Old Testament sacrifices. So the priest, it says, had to stand day by day to make sacrifices, including for themselves and for the sins of the people. And over and over it went. And Jesus, with a once and for all sacrifice, didn't have to sacrifice for himself because he was already holy. A once and for all sacrifice does away with all of the Old Testament sacrifices and the need for those. The Bible is very explicit in teaching us that. Nowhere does the Bible say or even hint that baptism replaces circumcision. And in fact, in the book of Galatians, Paul is arguing with those churches that you do not need to be circumcised to be saved. If baptism replaced circumcision, that would no doubt be the place where the Bible would have included that information because the easiest argument for the Apostle Paul to make would be this. You do not need to be circumcised to be saved because baptism one for one replaces circumcision, just like Christ's sacrifice one for one replaced the Old Testament sacrifices. But Paul doesn't make that argument because apparently that argument is not true. And so what the Bible teaches us is that we need to have come to a, a measure of repentance. We need to have attained a measure of faith before we are baptized. Peter preached the first Christian sermon. Peter, word for word, preaching what Jesus had told him to preach, said, repent and be baptized. First, we need to repent. So there are no examples of sprinkling in the New Testament. There are no examples of infants or children being baptized in any manner in the New Testament. Everyone that's baptized in the New Testament is someone who's repented, someone who's came to a faith, and then they are immersed. And so I would say, in order to be careful, follow the scriptures as closely as we can and avoid building the traditions of man around whatever cultural or time practices may exist. We should say baptism is for adults who have come to a repentance and a faith, and baptism is to be completely immersed in the water to represent, to cause, or to represent, to be involved with, associated with this change in who this person is going to be. I get the question as a minister often, and this is an invalid question. Do I have to be baptized to be saved? You cannot phrase anything relative to salvation in those terms. Do I have to repent? Do I have to be baptized? Do I have to give to the church? If you are just looking for the minimum that you can do, then you are most likely not saved. If you are looking for the absolute minimum, looking for every possible command and example in the New Testament that you can cut out and still somehow skirt hell just barely, I don't think your mind or your heart is in the right place. Invalid question. Here's, here's the right question. What did Jesus tell me to do? What did Jesus tell the apostles to do? After he was raised from the dead, Jesus said in Luke 24, preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins in my name. And then Jesus told his apostles, and then make lifelong students, make disciples out of those individuals who have repented and come to a faith in my work on the cross by baptizing them and teaching them to obey 
everything that I commanded. So the best that I can tell you is what you need to do is you need to turn to God. You need to try to give up your sins. You need to understand you can't pay for your sins. Only Christ can pay for your sins. And he did pay for your sins. God accepted that payment when he allowed Christ to be resurrected from the dead and accepted him back into heaven. So we know the payment was made in full and God has accepted the payment. The gavel has fallen and said, for all those who have repented and put faith in my son, they are now innocent. They owe me no more debt. And then I need to quickly be baptized. And then I need to make every effort to understand and observe everything that Christ commanded. The Old Testament prophet Joel said a very famous statement. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. When Peter was preaching that first Christian gospel in Acts chapter 2, He mentions that, that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it says the people hearing were cut to the heart and said, what do we do? In other words, how do we call on the name of the Lord? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So that's a very familiar sort of term or concept that this idea of baptism couples with our repentance and with our faith in calling on the Lord, in appealing to God for a clean conscience. So let me give you two verses that sort of sum this up as we close out this podcast. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts 22 when Paul had come to realize that the Christ he had been persecuting was in fact the long-promised Messiah that he sought, his friends said to him, Acts twenty-two sixteen. and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Baptism is an appeal to God for a good conscience. The actual physical act isn't washing away your sins. It's not like removal of dirt from the body, Peter says, but it's a critical part of you giving your life over to Jesus Christ. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience. And it's a way we're told that we call on the name of the Lord because all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, I believe, is what the Bible would have us to understand about the topic of baptism, given how it is presented to us in the Scriptures. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Andy.